Welcome to the podcast, Crime Salad, where we talk true crime. I'm your host, Ashley, and with me always is my husband and partner in crime, Ricky. The purpose of this podcast is to honor the victims through ethical storytelling in the hopes of preventing future tragedies. We want our stories to resonate and educate others in hopes that some of these similar cases with identifiable patterns can be prevented. Now, before we jump in, please let us warn you that this is a true crime podcast. The details of this episode may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion advised. parents strives for their children to have meaningful, fulfilling lives. To some, this could entail teaching their children a family trade, funding their college studies, or showing them how to prepare the perfect Thanksgiving turkey for the whole family to enjoy. Now, sometimes a parent's ideal outcome for their child doesn't quite match up with the life their child leads. When these ideas depart from each other, relationships can become strained leading to the age-old rebellious teenager versus disapproving parent trope. On this episode of Crime Salad, we examine the unbelievable outcome of a very close mother and daughter relationship. A murder that had family and friends in pure disbelief. The murder of Brenda Powell. Let's begin in Akron, Ohio. On a quaint suburban street of Akron, in a small, white, ranch-style house, Stephen and Brenda Powell lived with their two teenage children, Sydney and Andrew. You might consider them your typical upper-middle-class American family, as both parents worked, both children attended a private Catholic high school, and the family vacationed regularly, whether it was to Disney World or the beach. Stephen and Brenda even had a 529 plan set up to cover their children's tuition costs. The road was open to possibilities for their children's future. The teens were encouraged to follow in their parents' footsteps and complete their degrees. Sydney Powell, based on reports from her dad, her grandmother, her teachers, and her friends, was a good kid. Along with her brother, Andrew, Sydney attended St. Vincent St. Mary High School, a private Catholic high school located in Akron, Ohio. That's where LeBron James went to school. Interesting fact. Mm-hmm. She was that girl who typically got straight A's, with an occasional B when she was really struggling. Sydney was the type of kid who worked very hard at every activity she pursued. She was truly a model student. School administrators even asked her to become a student mentor for her peers who were struggling with grades. When Sydney wasn't rocking the honor roll, she was playing soccer and dabbling in lacrosse. With her loving family cheering her on the sidelines, she earned a scholarship and decided to go to college after high school. Wanting to stay close to her parents, Sydney chose to go to a local college, the University of Mount Union. Even better, her best friend Lauren accepted an offer at the same university. Naturally, the pair became roommates. 
at the age of 19, Sydney was a freshman in college living with her best friend. Late night chats, watching The Bachelorette, studying for the same classes, what could be better than that? Now, Sydney would never admit it, but the shining star of St. Vincent St. Mary High School was really struggling in college. It seemed like she knew that her grades were slipping, but that she didn't want to believe it. And by the end of her freshman year, she had a 2.2 GPA. Because of her poor grades, Mount Union decided to put Sydney on academic probation. According to the university, advisors sat down with Sydney, encouraging her to study and increase her GPA. Unfortunately, her GPA continued to slip, and she was suspended for poor academic performance. The disheartening news came by email and physical mail, but Sydney was able to intercept both messages before they made their way to her parents. I couldn't imagine her mom or dad, you know, being that mad about something like this. They seemed like they were really helpful, like they could have come up with a plan or a tutor or or maybe it's like taking a semester off to get her shit together. I don't know. Yeah, they seem like the type of parents that would do anything for their kids. I mean, obviously. Right. Now, her parents weren't the only people she fooled. Throughout that spring semester, she frequently visited the Mount Union campus, meeting up with her friends at the lounge, walking around campus grounds, and she would even hang out and watch TV with her friends at her old dorm. However, her key card wasn't working at all. Sydney knew that she couldn't attend any of the classes. Her tuition wasn't being paid. And on top of that, she was no longer able to access her online portal. Each day, Sydney would wander around the campus, and every evening when she would have been in her dorm room, she chose to stay in a hotel. This must have been an exhausting lie to keep up with on a daily basis, but she continued to fool friends and family for months. The whole time, no one thought for a second that she was suspended. The only people who knew her true status at the university were the Mount Union administration and Sydney. This really makes you think about the pressure we put on our kids to go to a four-year college. Like, I mean, even with our son, like, we're always like, hey, go to school. Like, what do you want to do? You need to start figuring it out now and, you know, start taking the classes in high school so you're prepared for college. But it's really hard to, like, figure out what you want to do and then... Honestly, I feel like I'm still trying to figure it out. Oh, I'm trying to figure it out every day. I'm like 33 years old. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know. It's just a lot of pressure. It really is. Now, eventually, she was confronted by the staff at Mount Union. The university reminded her that she wasn't allowed to be present on the property and must not continue her daily charade. So Sydney told her friends that she had decided to take the rest of the semester off. But this lie wouldn't last much longer. I mean, there's only so long you can keep up with something like this. At some point, you would have to break the news, right? Now, it's obvious that she was under a lot of pressure from herself, her friends, and possibly her mom and dad. And this pressure must have been pretty extreme to get her to live this double life. Now, we will never know exactly how she felt at this time, but seeing her actions here, it screams to me that she was in denial and did not want to admit to her loved ones or herself that she had failed academically. Now, she kept up the charade from January to March of 2020. But in March, her double life started to fall apart. (laughs) 
On March 3rd, 2020, like any other Tuesday, Steve and Brenda Powell left for work. Their son Andrew was away at college, and their daughter was thought to have been attending classes as well. So the house was assumed to be empty. However, on this particular morning, the associate dean of students and the dean of Mount Union decided to make a call to Sydney's dad, Steve, to talk about Sydney and how she had been suspended. When Steve answered the phone, he was taken aback. This was completely unlike his high-achieving daughter. It just didn't make any sense. Sydney had been going to school all of this time, right? Now, the family, who was allegedly very close, used the app called Life360, an app that provides location tracking services to families. With this app, the Powells could all keep tabs on where each family member was. After the phone call when Sydney was supposed to be in school, Steve checked the Life360 app, and Sydney was at home. Sadly, the facts seemed to be adding up to support what Sydney's administrators had said on the phone. So... Steve decided to leave work at around 11 o'clock in the morning to confront Sydney and talk about what exactly was going on. Now, before he left work, Steve made the decision to leave his phone behind because of the app. He didn't want his daughter to know that he was on his way. Allegedly, Steve arrived at home and found Sydney. He revealed that he got a call from Mount Union and that he knew that she had been suspended. He tried to talk through the situation with his daughter, assuring her that everything will work out. But Steve knew that he wasn't the best parent to be discussing this with his daughter. His wife, Brenda, would know exactly what to say. You see, Brenda and Sydney had a very tight-knit relationship. Sydney was described as Brenda's mini-me, her best friend, and her biggest supporter. So Steve told Sydney, let's call your mom. Brenda answered the phone, and after hearing about her daughter's suspension, she immediately left work for home to be there for Sydney and to sort the situation out. Being that Brenda was on her way, Steve made the decision to drive the 15 minutes back to work. Now, Sydney's mother, Brenda, she was a very special employee at the Akron Children's Hospital. Brenda, at 50 years old, worked there as a child life specialist in a hematology oncology unit for 28 years. Many children and their families were touched by her compassion and support. She did everything she could to give the children there who were fighting cancer or blood disorders the best possible quality of life. At Akron Children's Hospital, she founded the Oncology Teen Program and planned activities for the entire family to celebrate successes. She organized proms for children, naming it a prom to remember, and she set up activities like bowling for families. Brenda was a selfless person who was very caring and had many friends all over the community. And on that day, March 3rd, 2020, she showed this by leaving her job to support her daughter. As she pulled up to her house at about 12.30 p.m., she texted Steve to let him know that she had made it home. And the concerned parents messaged each other back and forth about the school conundrum. Steve sent a message to Brenda wondering whether Sydney would lose her scholarship. Brenda messaged him back that she was trying to find that out herself, stating that she was waiting for a call back from the school. From here, what happened next can only be pieced together by evidence gathered by the police. 
It's believed that Brenda entered the home, found Sydney, and sat down with her on the couch to talk about the situation. Brenda consoled her daughter, hugging her, telling her everything would be okay and that they would figure everything out. She was loving and supportive to Sydney, who was obviously going through a rough time. At one point, investigators claimed that the two began to argue. During the argument, Brenda got a call back from Mount Union, and she put the call on speakerphone. It was Michelle Gaffney and the Dean of Students, John Frazier. First, the two admins asked if they were speaking to Brenda Powell. Brenda confirmed it was her. Suddenly, over the phone, the school employees heard a loud scream followed by a loud thud. They kept hearing the sound over and over, which made them think that someone was being attacked. After yelling out to Brenda, trying to get a response over the phone, the call dropped. The two employees at the school were in disbelief. They knew the sound that they heard wasn't normal. They attempted to call Brenda back, but the phone kept going straight to voicemail. Then the third time, someone had picked up. They asked again, is this Brenda? The voice on the other line spoke, yes, this is Brenda. Michelle and John identified that voice on the other line right away as they looked at each other and they shook their heads. They knew that that voice was not Brenda, but it was her daughter, Sydney. After telling Sydney that they knew it was her on the line, Sydney hung up the phone. Both administrators immediately called 911 and reported the incident to the police. Now, according to investigators, this all happened 10 minutes after Steve last texted Brenda about Sydney, moments after she pulled into the driveway. Because at 12.51, a friend of Steve's and a detective named Ken Dees heard a call over the radio that there was trouble at the Powell's house. Steve, in a panic, called Brenda and Sydney's phone continuously and raced home. Sydney picked up the phone and told him that her mom was on the phone with Mount Union. Confused, Steve told Sydney that the police were on their way to the house. This is when Sydney became hysterical, crying and screaming as police entered the house. Now, we're going to play an audio clip from police body cam footage. This was once law enforcement arrived at the home. Listener discretion is advised. Who is it? My mom! Hello, my dad! What happened? What's going on? What's going on? We heard a bang. And she told me to get out. And then I heard screaming. So I came back and she was on the ground. What is your name? Sydney. Are you cut? I don't think so. Yeah, you're cut somewhere. I don't think so. Yeah, your hand. No, I was helping her. I grabbed her. So after listening to that clip, Ricky, what are your thoughts? It's chaotic. It's definitely chaotic. Yeah, it's it's definitely frightening and shocking to everybody, like the police officers, the dad showing up, because they're they're not really sure of what's going on at that point. I know. There's even that part where the dad like walks out to Sydney and he makes that comment walking away and he's like, Someone just killed my wife. Yeah. Like what the heck happened? He was just there a couple of minutes ago. I don't know. It's weird to me, like, the the window's broken in the back, and she's, like, saying someone just ran in and, and broke in and, and did this. I don't know. It's strange. Now, when Steve arrived home, Sydney was laying on the ground at the end of their driveway. 
Her eyes were rolling in the back of her head and her fingers were bloody from clawing at the asphalt. At this point, Steve and local police were not sure exactly what had taken place at this house. Sydney had claimed, like you heard in the body cam footage, that someone had broken into the house and attacked her mother. But for some reason, Sydney wasn't attacked. She only had cuts on her hands. And the cuts on her hands, according to her, were from trying to help save her mother. After searching the home, police found Brenda lying face down in her bedroom. It was a gruesome scene. Brenda had been horrifically attacked with a steak knife and a cast iron skillet that was used to hit Brenda over the head. Police on the scene also found a broken back window, which appeared to be the entry point of a break-in. But police would quickly come to realize that there wasn't an intruder at all. Sydney was lying and had murdered her very own mother. To everyone who knew the Powells, this was unbelievable. This mother and daughter were unbreakable and each other's biggest supporters. Steve claimed that their relationship had never included any violence. There was never any aggression or screaming in the house at all. The family could have never imagined Sydney would do such a horrible thing to her own best friend, her very own mother. Paramedics rushed Brenda and Sydney to the hospital where Brenda succumbed to her injuries. According to the medical examiner, Brenda suffered an unusually vicious attack. Their notes explained that this attack was the result of uncontrolled violence. Whoever did this was in a berserk state of mind as Brenda's face, head, skull, and throat were stabbed almost 30 times. Jeez. After being discharged from the general hospital, she was initially diagnosed with schizophrenia. And then Sydney was sent to a place called Portage Path, a behavioral health center. For 72 hours, Sydney was further evaluated by behavioral health experts so that they could decide what was the best course of action for the teen. Her first evaluation showed signs of malingering, which means faking or feigning symptoms. And there were many times where Sydney would completely stop responding to her evaluators. Staff ultimately advised that Sydney was experiencing acute psychosis. On March 5th, 2020, two days after Sydney brutally attacked her mom, Sydney was charged with the murder of Brenda Powell. But she was immediately released to the grandparents after they posted the $250,000 bond. Sydney would enter a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. Leading up to her trial, the defense spent countless hours supporting Sydney and trying to prove that she was suffering from an episode of psychosis when the homicide took place. To support this, three different psychologists evaluated Sydney for seven hours at a time, attempting to find an answer as to why this unbelievable murder had taken place. The defense attorney, Don Malarsic, stated that all three psychologists came to the same conclusion. Sydney suffered from schizophrenia and had a psychotic break on the day that she killed her mother. She was having delusions, hearing voices, and losing control. Sydney's attorney stated this a number of times. At the time of the defense, Sydney was suffering from a severe mental disease, schizophrenia, and that prevented her from knowing the wrongfulness of her conduct. 
Sydney's attorney stated that she was having audio and visual hallucinations and explained this as her seeing cartoon characters, fire coming out of her hands, and hearing voices saying, you're not worth anything, you're a failure, you're worthless, people know it. He went on to explain that her mental health was the reason that this tragic murder took place. She could not have known the consequences of her actions at the time because of her psychotic state. This was not like her. She was raised in a loving family, and no one had any inclination that this would happen, as Brenda and Sydney were very close. The prosecution approached the case from a very interesting angle. They actually seemed to use the words of the defense in their favor, because generally speaking, for someone to murder their own mother, they could never be in a typical state of mind. Her state of mind was a moot point. The prosecution explained that there doesn't always have to be a clear motive in every case. They could simply rely on the fact that Sydney had clearly murdered Brenda. So that is what the state focused on, the murder, and nothing else. During the trial, Joseph Melise from the prosecution stood at the podium and explained this to the jury. The prosecutor made a comment about how the defense explained that she was so depressed that she wouldn't leave her room. And in response, he pointed out that, well, if she thought she was a student and was actually having these delusions, then why would she be depressed about being kicked out? Another psychologist hired by prosecutors further supported this argument, stating that while Sydney may have been suffering from a mental illness, she still knew right from wrong during the time of the murder. I mean, honestly, it makes a pretty good point. Like, I'm not a doctor, but it makes sense. If I were a juror, that would probably stick with me. You wouldn't be thinking like, oh, I need to cover up this crime. She knows this is wrong. Yeah, like she murdered her mom, but at the same time, she broke a window and was telling police someone attacked her mom. Right, yeah. But at the same time, her emotions were really high, so... I mean, it's hard to define a psychotic episode. Yeah, and I understand that the defense had a job to do to defend Sydney, even though Sydney may have been experiencing some kind of mental psychotic break, Brenda was murdered. Sydney grabbed a knife and stabbed Brenda almost 30 times before hitting her over the head with a cast iron skillet, instead of talking it out with her mom who loved her unconditionally. Honestly, it's just a sad case all the way around. Yeah, this murder not only took the life of Brenda Powell, a beautiful person on the inside and out, but it also shattered what was a beautiful, loving, and close-knit family. After the trial, Sydney, who is now 23 years old, was found guilty of tampering with evidence, felonious assault, and the murder of her mother, Brenda Powell. She was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole in 15 years. Sydney will spend years in prison or a mental health facility. A judge will make that decision this week on October 28, 2023. Oh, it's coming up. Yes. The consequences of Sydney's uncontrollable rage directed at her own mother will forever alter the Powell's lives. The holidays and family gatherings will never be the same. But the love and support that the family has for Sydney, even though what she did was horrible, is very much there. The family doesn't want her to be in jail at all. 
The family feels that Brenda would want her daughter to get the help that she needs, surrounded by her family, and not to be left in a jail cell alone. And this leads me to my next point. Communicate with your friends and your loved ones. Make time for yourself and go to therapy. I truly believe that mental health and mental wellness should be on the same level as physical health, especially in today's world. Society has created this unrelenting pressure to be perfect and that expectation is amplified every day on social media. You feel less than if you don't have certain facial features or you aren't a size two. You feel pressure to go to the right school, land the right job, and live in a beautiful spotless house, all while posting happy, smiley pictures on social media so everyone can see your success. This often leaves us scrambling or depressed when we fail to meet these unattainable expectations. Now, could all of this have been avoided if Sydney had been working on herself or seeing a therapist regularly? It's impossible to say. However, it is critical to prioritize your mental health. Speaking with a professional who has studied the way our minds work can be extremely beneficial, especially when we have reached rock bottom. And that's it for this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening and also give us a five-star review. It really helps our show. We really, really appreciate those of you who gave us a five-star review. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Made our little serotonin levels increase a little. Boop, 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 boop. And shout out to all of you who are Apple Plus subscribers or Patreon supporters. We love you. Thank you so much for supporting our show. I hope you're enjoying the little side salads, the all-you-can-eat side salads. I think salads. they're cool. And it'll be fun to give us a chance to maybe have a discussion about a case or even like if there's an update in a case, we can mm -hmm. kind of throw that on there. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I hope you're enjoying them. I know we are. Well, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. See ya. Thank you.